reported it wrong. Part two. And we're back discussing the 2020 Oscars awarded to the 2019 movies. Mm. And I would like to do a quick do-over. I was thinking about this while just eating my mid-break lunch. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to put under the Silver Lake. I'm feeling bad <laughs> that I snubbed it. And so now, given the information that okay. I, I now know, thanks that you reminded me that I already knew it and forgot it, I'm going to give it a nomination in Best Adapted Screenplay adapted from the zine of the same name under the silver lake really wait is this a play or is this is this a bit well, or is it actually based and on nintendo power magazine oh. and the back of the silver <laughs> okay i'll allow it i'll allow it okay all right, all right. great gotta get it in there okay gotta let's talk about the next presenters shia labeouf and zach gotsigan so both from another unrecognized movie, uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon. Did you see The Peanut Butter Falcon? I did not. It's really good. It's really yeah. it's it's a, it's a sweet little movie. I really I really enjoyed it. Um, and they're both great in it. I mean, you probably wouldn't know it from Zach's apparent stage fright, but uh, yeah. he 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 gives a really good performance in that I've movie. I've heard I've heard he's yeah. great in that. And he's mostly in his underwear the entire movie. <laughs> So you're like, okay, this poor... <laughs> I love that he gets this platform for this kind of really great role to have, but it's also kind of like, oh, you, you made him be in his underwear the whole movie. <laughs> you didn't have to make him do that. Are they clean at least? No! He's, oh. been, he's, he's been in the ocean in it. He's been in, rolling in mud in it. And, you know, it's... Oh, boy. it's you're uh, not selling this movie right no. now. <laughs> no, seriously, they are both re like... like, like uh, I saw it early in the year. Uh, I forget when it came out, but I had um, I had them both in my considerations for best actor prizes. Um, Bruce Dern is also in it, uh, as well as Dakota J uh, Johnson. And Bruce Dern's really good. Dakota's re Dakota's part's a little thankless, but it's it's not her fault. And Bruce then, Dern, I feel like I've seen him in dirty underwear more than once. <laughs> I'm sure we have at at, at home. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Own, I'm just no, at my own is what I meant. No, no, no. He's he, he's really he's very charming in it um, as uh, his uh, 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 adult care home roommate. Um, but what was I going to say? Uh, oh, Thomas Hayden Church makes a surprise appearance in it, and he's very uh, uh, sweet. Yeah, Sandman. A, a very uh, if you want a sweet, uplifting movie that's a little rough around the edges. That's uh, that's that's your man. So it's a good movie. I'm a little wary of movies with peanut butter in the title <laughs> after the peanut butter solution. Uh, one of the worst you... <laughs> movies I've ever seen. I I can't disassociate that with our friend Brian Lutz's recounting of certain scenes. Uh, so, my yeah. uh, Floyd just asked me the other day what was I was trying to think of best scenes from movies from the last year. And he asked me, what's the worst movie, the worst scene you've ever seen? And I'm like, oh, I think it's from the peanut butter solution when uh, the kid has pubic hair growing down his pants legs. <laughs> and does, does his, think... did his, did his uh, brains melt out his ears when you said that? <laughs> you, you what now? <laughs> in and a that, children's movie. This in is a, a children's movie. movie. Yeah. Oh, hair down there. Okay. So live action short category. I've not seen any of these. Yeah, unfortunately, no. 
So let's skip over them, except okay. that the window one, whatever that is, one, uh, and the, the the winner gave the speech where he talked about how his mom was the best storyteller because she would talk about a weird dog she'd seen. <laughs> I thought, like, way to, way to hit the highlights there. <laughs> Honoring your old mom. Well, I – well – Maybe we still don't know, but if he told the whole story, then yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So maybe there was a weird away. dog I seen. Anyway, maybe it's better than the second meanest trick a dog ever played on me. Maybe it's oh, maybe it's better than that story. I love that. That's my favorite. I love that. Next up, Maya Rudolph. Ah, both big fans. Maya Rudolph. Uh, my Wig. children totally failed to identify her from Lego Movie Two. The second part. Oh, right. I thought she was someone else. I forget who. And Kristen Wiig, dressed as a sea slug, I think. <laughs> I thought it was half-baked lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> but and this was the this was the best uh, laugh of the night. This was. What do you think? What do you think? Um, uh, do you think that Kristen Wiig? Uh, I, I had a hunch that Kristen Wiig purposely chose that dress. Because it was ridiculous, and the designer was totally not thinking it was ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> I'm wondering how disingenuous she was. Just kind of had that feeling. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I, I watched these. Um, I, I, I'll watch these two do anything, and um, I, you know, I, I probably would have higher praise for it if uh, I felt like the bit changed at all throughout the whole thing. It kind of, it just kind of stayed the same. But I, I, it was so, such a joy. Just to see Maya Rudolph sing You Can Leave Your Hat On was worth anything. <laughs> I, I, so much fun to watch those two. Hopefully every director didn't need to be sold on them already. I know. We still have to do our Away We Go episode. Wait. Yeah. Oh, we do. We do. We are years overdue. <laughs> it is one of my favorite all-time movies. Directed by my Sam least... Mendes. Sam Mendes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to him. So the Oscars for production design. The nominees. Ooh, yes. Tell me about the nominees and who you the thought nominees. deserved to be here. Oh, oh, wait, wait, one second. So my son loves, just real quick on on, uh, on uh, the Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig thing. They cut away to Billie Eilish while, yes. she's, uh, while they're performing at a bad time because it... My son really loves her songs, and oh. they are good. She's a great singer, and they're good things. Um, but they, it, it, I think it made all the old people watching, like myself, go, oh, come on, Billy. <laughs> come on. She did have a... A quizzical expression, because she just probably wasn't getting any of the references, maybe. That's what it looked like. Or just like, that's what counts as singing these days. Yeah. Or, you know, it just seemed very... <laughs> Seemed very eighteen. It seemed very eighteen, exactly. It's not like how dare she? Something strange would have like a revolting take a look. But yeah, sorry, I know it was just probably unfortunate camera work. Maybe someone off camera turned around and said, "Hey, you want this dead thing I found under my seat?" <laughs> and she went, "Ugh!" And it just looked like I don't know. No, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. But uh, yeah, um, so the production design. The nominees were Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, 1917, Parasite, and Jojo Rabbit. So what do you think? What do you think of this field? Um most yeah, mostly uh, mostly good. The there were two notable omissions. 
Um, and given what I've seen about uh, 1917, I guess it deserves to be there considering the magnitude of it. But again, means don't justify the ends. But they had to build all that. But they had to build all of that. Stuff. I thought the No Man's Land alone, which for me was the most effective part of the movie, the crossing uh -huh. No Man's Land. Yeah. I thought that alone um, right. was worth it. And then the bombed out city. I, I, I thought yeah. 1917 belonged here, for sure. Yeah, 1970, that, that whole bombed out city sequence was very, reminded me of the movie Sorcerer, if you've ever seen that. Mm. Oh. Very, the, the trippy sequence in Sorcerer, uh, which made me wonder if they were trying to imply that our, our Schofield, when he got knocked out by a, in the, in the thing, if he was actually dead. <laughs> because the movie changes so, the stylist of that movie changes so drastically after he wakes up from being unconscious that I started to wonder if that's what they were gonna do. Kind of a, the famous phrase, the Jacob's Ladder situation, which would have been unsatisfying, I think. Um, All right, so, what else? Yeah, um, the Irishman, yeah, and Jojo Rabbit, yeah, those both were, um, Except I personally would have pulled out those two and put in um, Knives Out and Little Women. Oh, that's what I, I would, would have. have I would have said Knives Out and The Two Popes. Oh, yeah, The Two Popes. That's I mean, they, true. They did have to recreate the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> and they had, that's true. They had like Maybe 10 they weeks to do it. Oh, yeah. This was a tough one for me. Obviously, the winner was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which and it was going to be. It was going to be. You knew it because it pretty was pretty incredible. Um, and that and that like caters to the Academy, right? With half of whom were in Hollywood in 1969, and so right. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at my old family photos. It's like it was used to be. Yeah. People would oh, say, "Oh yeah, they got it. They nailed it. Yeah, they nailed it. They nailed it." I mean, I'd say that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a bigger effort and certainly carried a lot of weight. Like the production design is part like is like a star in the movie, but yeah, it is. But Parasites was smarter and more more um, sly. I think. Um, I pr don't know who I would have given it to if it were me. I would say a tie. <laughs> the Parasite design was great. Uh, not only the Bach House Park House. <laughs> um, which was, you know, constructed for the movie, but also right. the 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 basement apartment, which yeah. we talked about in our Parasite episode, how great the design of that was. I think I give my prize to Knives Out, though. I think oh, the, yeah. the house and the way it's tricked out really, really is a character. Yeah. And, the like, it's kind of where the gears of the plot are turning yeah, is like just around the construction of that house, and you get to learn the the layout of it so well, and just just the opening where there's always like one more little hidden place to go yeah. as a metaphor for the whole movie and the way the the story is constructed. Yeah, I I just thought that was delightful and it is, uh, and the the just the knife circle of knives chair, which is like the poster. Right. Um. I I give it to Knives Out. I thought the the production design was. Pretty cool. It was showy, but it was great. It was well, all integral to what was happening. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's. I, I marveled at how the room is so overstuffed 
with a life's work and and memories and tchotchkes and, and statues and whatnot. But yet it feels like it was someone's home. It doesn't feel like a TGI Fridays or, a, or an Applebee's where they've got all the yeah. signs on placed to look random, but are really like a layout design somewhere else. I mean, it, it looks like it's his a real home, ornate home. Yeah, um, it's approaching the edge of Wes Anderson. Like this is... <laughs> designed to look like a design yeah. rather than a place someone actually lives. But no, it, it does. Yeah, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it did not go into artifice. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I Whereas agree. Wes Anderson is going, I'm trying to create artifice. Right. <laughs> this was, this is a proscenium constructed for your pleasure. Not, yes, exactly. Not the characters necessarily. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would, three-way tie for me then. <laughs> <laughs> Then they go on to costume. This year, I have a lot to. I have a lot of strong feelings about costume this year. Ooh, tell us your feelings um, and their strength. And their strength. Uh, I lied. I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to find my. I know I wrote. I'm trying to find my notes. Uh, oh yeah, here we are. So um, the uh, nominees: Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, is this the only win for Little Women this evening? This, this was. This, this was, was the only prize they walked away with. Which... Uh, the Pretty Dresses prize. Right. Exactly. Which, to me, kind of sums up how people thought of the movie without seeing it. And... Uh, and Or maybe if they had seen it. Like, all those costume dramas that I would see as a kid in the Oscars that would only get this award. You know? And uh, I wonder how many of them, you know, I saw differently later. But this movie is, uh, yes, the costumes deserved a win. But the thought that that's all that it is just angers me. Um, well, let's not let's not diminish right. the prize that they got. This this is one of three, I think, three nominations for Joker that I think were warranted. I agree. Yeah, the costumes in, in Joker are actually really quite good. Uh, they were all for basically one character. <laughs> and 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 the other one, and that being the seventies. So who who was it? Who was it? I read somewhere someone said that the the Joker seemed to not be able to decide if it was evoking the seventies or if it was set in the seventies. Well, it's 1981, right. so but uh, there's a definitely still a lot of 70s hanging around in 1981 right, 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 right. design. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. 80s don't really become the 80s until around 83, 84. I have my select the ones I would have nominated. How about you? Okay, I'm going to go in this order. Uh, I'm going to bump the Irishman. Yep. I wasn't uh, whatever. Yeah. It's like every it looks like every other yeah movie set. <laughs> In that time period, and they had to cover a bunch of time periods, but so what? Uh, I'm going to give it to Midsummer instead. Oh wow! Midsummer, um, and I had this. My notes were up before the broadcast, so Janelle Monae didn't give me this idea. But Midsummer's <laughs> costumes played a big part in that I, movie. I've not um, yet seen it. Should, uh, should I see mm. the director's cut or should I see the regular one? Because the director's cut also played in theaters. It was like an extra fifty <laughs> minutes or something. Yeah. For having I've read about the differences, it doesn't sound like if you want to save fifty minutes of your life, it doesn't sound <laughs> right. It doesn't sound necessary. Okay. Uh, so I would nominate Midsummer instead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 
the whole look of that movie is good, but you could go to your thrift stores and <laughs> kind of accomplish what you need to accomplish well, there. That's, that's so, often what they do. <laughs> it, 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 they did a great job, but for like the yeah. same kind of thing, I thought uh, Dolomite is my name was a better oh, representation that. of a similar kind of costuming uh, and that. a similar period. Then Jojo Rabbit, I would keep in the category just for the cardboard uniform. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was weird. I, I kind of, for some reason, the costumes for me were a distraction. I mean, I, I was wondering if maybe they were nominated. I hate to say this. I shouldn't. That's people's life work. But I was going to say, I kind of thought that the costumes were nominated because of Scarlett Johansson's red shoes. That her shoes, but red that and was, white spectator but, shoes. But that was a way. directing thing. That was it. Could have been any shoes. They just had to be shoes that were recognizable. You know. But it was a great pair of shoes. It was a great They're pair like of shoes. Single favorite <laughs> costume element of the whole year. Oh yeah. Oh wow. That pair of shoes. Well, the, I, okay. I have started putting together my birthday list. Looking for spectator shoes <laughs> that are as cool as Scarlett Johansson's shoes and Jojo Rabbit. So the yeah. shoes definitely get the nomination for me. But all of her outfits are really if, cool. If you end up wearing those shoes, I'll cry every time I look at you. Uh, well, <laughs> In the you shoes. know who else wears spectator shoes? Doesn't Joker do? Wears them? Joker wears yeah. spectator shoes. Yeah. Do you know why they're called spectator shoes, by the way? No. Because they were considered caddish. Only cads would wear such flashy shoes. They were ungentlemanly. Oh. And so... So they're referring to being spectated and not being were, a spectator? They were called either... They were known as either spectator shoes or correspondent shoes. Because these, these were the legal caddish. terms. Sorry? I said none of these sound caddish, but what are they the legal terms for? Spectator and correspondent at the time were the legal terms for the third party in an adultery suit. Really? So, yes. Yeah, so, so only a rogue who would bespoil a marriage would the wear these kinds of shoes. Party. They would be oh. men of low repute. Okay. Now they just call them adulterers, right? Because they're good at adulting. <laughs> Are cuckoos. Cuckoos. Yeah. They don't really call them. Maybe the whole cuck, cuckold thing. Yeah. We don't really do the cuckoo thing. Is that a real thing? Well, a, a cuckoo uh, lays its eggs in other birds' nests for them to raise. And so if you are cuckolded, it means another man has visited your nest. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about cuckoos. Is that why they're so crazy? So the alt-right uh, yeah. have adopted cuck as an insult in reference to saying, you're not a real man. You, you Yeah. Are not even a real Republican, right? You've been sexually debased and humiliated, because you know fascism's all about machoism. Yeah, really. exactly. Machismo, machismo. Get a machismo plate. What were we talking about? Costumes. So yeah, my if if it were the Carnies, <clears throat> I would uh, be nominating Joker, Knives Out, all those cable knit sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> They a look of, nice and a lot, cozy. Of, a lot of wool sweaters in that. Joker, Knives Out, The Lighthouse. I thought about Lighthouse. Little Women and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'd probably either give it to Little Women or Once Upon a Time. Maybe maybe Knives Out. I'd give it to Little Women because I thought that I had this line in my notes and then I listened to a Greta Gerwig 
uh, interview and she says the exact same thing that they don't look like costumes. They look like clothes. Yes. Like that was, that was her goal with the design. And so they look like they, they, they've dressed to themselves and that's exactly what they did. They would just put out a trailer with a bunch of stuff and each character had their rack and then the, the actors would just pick out their clothes. Oh, for the that's days that they nice. were getting dressed in character. That's great. And it had that feel. Like, it had know, that like, feel, yeah. It had a, that feel to it. And then I loved how each character had their own kind of palette and style, but they mm-hmm. all looked like they belonged to the same family still. Right, yeah. And um, I loved how Joe and Lori's characters, they already look like they're sharing clothes before you see that they actually do share clothes. Oh. They do. They're exchanging clothes in these little ways throughout the, the movie. And I don't know. I just thought... Like if you're going to subtly reinforce character and story through costuming, I thought Little Women did a great job. Yeah. Although I, I I was impressed with the the design of the Joker costumes and Joker. Yeah. And the evolution, how they showed the evolution of his mm-hmm. character. Yeah. My my runners up would be Ford v Ferrari and Dolomite is my name for the costume. Oh. Be my runners up. What did you like about the costumes in Ford v Ferrari? Um, I thought that they, I mean. They all felt appropriate. They weren't flashy. They weren't indicating racing. They seemed utilitarian. Um, mm-hmm. And then the the um, as as was the executives. They all their their clothes were utilitarian for their positions. I, I really loved John Bernthal as an actor, and I loved his portrayal of Lee Iacocca in that. As I said, I wanted more of him. Although I did think he was as his as a as a man. His physique was too muscular for the po- role for the position that he had. <laughs> like he's this—he's the Punisher, right? He's this huge guy, and then his clothes are barely containing his muscle muscles, and yet he's feeling it. It doesn't seem to play uh, with his—I uh, don't know. Some things didn't play, but other than that, I, I was thinking of costume with his uh, his open throated thing. He just looked like this beast walking up being the man and when like he looked way more blue collar than Matt Damon did <laughs> and way more of the earth um but as long uh, as we're talking about him I don't have a better place to discuss this it was weird how his role in the movie got relegated to winking and smiling at the camera yeah. to recognize I'm on your side I appreciate your gumption but we're not doing anything about it. yeah exactly I, I, he went from being I can't the, help you in any way. He went from being the instigator of the whole thing to just smiling and winking halfway through and kind of yeah. went over for Leo Beebe to be this swarmy, uh, uh, perhaps maybe a little over the top or too blunt, too, um, not as fully dimensional as everybody else, yeah. uh, uh, a go-to uh, villain to throw tomatoes at. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, their dynamic was one of the few weak spots in that movie. Yeah, but they they did give BB a couple of moments where you did kind of see like lines where you're like, uh, if you were if you weren't in full tomato throwing mode, you'd know he's right. You know the machine is a is a big machine that that uh, he's got to oversee and it all has to be working in unison. But it can't. It's too big. It can't work in unison <laughs> uh, without people sacrificing the best part of themselves. Well, getting back to the winner. So the actual yeah. winner was Little, Little Women. Women, right? Uh, accepting it was uh, Jacqueline Duran, wearing a nice uh, tablecloth. Very. <laughs> I didn't notice. I... 
Uh, it's a great choice. If you have to wear tablecloths to the Oscars, I thought hey, you picked a great one. The thing is, she left it all on the floor. She left. I mean, she left it all on the set. She, you know, she, she didn't leave it on the table. <laughs> she left it all there. She goes, I, I have nothing to wear because I've been using it all for my work. Just grab what you can. <laughs> and then she gives a, a shout out to a Greater Gerwig, as she should. As she should. And I did hope. I was hoping Greta Gerwig would come. Am, am I the only one who hopes for this? That Greta Gerwig would come to the Oscars wearing a great German wig. Because <laughs> I think you are. Why? Just, I don't know. I see your name in print and I, I see great German wig. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Just, I I'm, slow, I'm, slow on the, I'm slow on the jokes today. I make that, it's just not a very good joke. <laughs> 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 uh, see, next up we get the, the song from Breakthrough, but we're going to talk about that later. Okay. And then, uh, uh, is this our first montage of the night? Yeah, about we were. the power of documentaries. We were, so much so that I was thrown when we did one. A good, a good, a good little montage. I, I, I that was good. There have been a lot of great documentary features. Mm -hmm. uh, most of those I have seen. Uh, in that montage. I did think, though, that because we hadn't seen a, mon a real montage that was just dedicated to this kind of thing, to, to like them all in general, until this point, it kind of was like basically say, okay, here's the point we're going to tell you that these things are actually important. <laughs> okay. Like the expectation wouldn't be there. Like, why are we doing documentaries? You know, um, <laughs> that's what kind of felt like. No, no, look, before we now, before we bring these out. I want you kids. I want you kids to respect what you're gonna see. I know this feels like school, right? <laughs> but it's actually art and, and craft. So now, um, speaking of which, though, there there had been montages earlier, and it was a um, in the sense that they changed their format again about how they um, do the acting categories and showing the clips. You know, traditionally they had always done, and here's Tom Hanks for Philadelphia, and they show a clip from Philadelphia. Here's so-and-so yeah. from so-and-so, and they show a clip from that. And then they've been playing with it over the years, and when they don't show a clip, I'm furious. Yeah. But because there's always that's part of the show. What, what's the Oscar clip? What's the Oscar clip they're going to show? And then go, that was not a good Oscar clip. Why'd they show that? But mm -hmm. this time they were able to show, it was interesting. They were able to show more than one by just doing one long montage of mixing them all together, all the nominees' work together. And they kind of looped around, so everybody right. got a couple of clips. Yeah. Everybody got a couple. And at first I, like I was that. I was like, I wanted to see more clips with, the, with their names read. But in a way, I think what was great about that is one, it got to show more of the movie, more of the work. And two, it gave them all equal importance. It showed that these guys are all fantastic. Yeah. And I, I actually like the way they did that. I, I hope they continue to do that. Me too. I agree. I thought it was really well done. I'd never seen it done better. Yeah, I'd never seen it done better. I think I hope they found the sweep stop and then they don't they don't break it and fix it again. <laughs> Try to fix it. It's, <laughs> of course they won't. Good as it is. No, they'll immediately. <laughs> I know. Let's just send everyone in the world telegrams. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's not a good idea. Then Mark Ruffalo comes out looking a little scruffy. Well, he's Ruffalo. To, he was looking a little Ruffalo around the edges. 
uh, to present the award for documentary feature. Of these, I've only seen one. Which one was Honeyland. that? Honeyland. Oh, that was twice nominated. How was it? It was. was it good? It's great. Oh, really? Okay. It's really good. It's on Hulu. If you have Hulu, I uh, I definitely recommend it. It stuck with me. Yeah. I, I won't say any more. Um, but it didn't win. American Factory won. There's a couple of couple of baldies accepting the prize. <laughs> well, now um, I, I read one of them was uh, the 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 woman was um, is going through chemotherapy right now. I wondered if that was and that I, and like a sympathy a sympathy. Yeah, show. that's what I was thinking too. Okay, that's I, what I. Thought. I don't have that verified, but I had the feeling okay. that if you're going up there bald, I'm going up there bald. And it was so, pretty cool. I, yeah, I, I like going. I don't know. I, they 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 are probably awesome. <laughs> I'm only even mentioning it so I can make this extremely stupid joke. <laughs> okay. And, I'll, and, and, I'll, that, and I'm sure not to get it. And that is, so they won for American Factory. I think now they can afford to get a Play-Doh Fun Factory, and then they can squeeze out some more hair. Can I, um, can I, can I, can I suggest a, a, a tweet to your joke? Here sure. it is. yeah. So they get up there, and I think they made American Factory, but I think they really need to get a couple of Gerwigs. <laughs> See, you got to tell both jokes or say, I know they wish to get Greta to give them some of them Gerwigs. Uh, maybe they could. <laughs> if she's not going to wear the great German wig, <laughs> she ought to loan it to them. Then they could take turns with it. Anyway, I might have felt bad about that, joke, except she shouted out the Buckeyes. So, fuck Ohio. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in Ann Arbor. I'm obligated to say that. Uh, we can always validate our. <laughs> we can always va validate our ignorance with sports allegiance. Uh, they're right. Movies really do teach us empathy and build bridges and create unity. The Buckeyes. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Uh, documentary short. Uh, I saw none of these. I saw. I didn't have time either. to watch the shorts. Strange, isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> now that's your joke of the day. I uh, uh, I, I really enjoyed hearing uh, the uh, production designer's speech on that one. I'm learning, learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl. Which, honestly, yeah. by the title alone, I was like, that should win. <laughs> Not many parenthetical movie titles. No. You know? Cause, I guess because Bob Dylan doesn't make a lot of movies. But I couldn't think, I couldn't come up with any other parenthetical movie titles at the top of my head. I know there have been some. Yeah, there has to be some. Oh, uh, the Meyerowitz Stories probably has one, right? Meyerowitz Stories, parentheses... Something in selected. Curated and selected. I've know. never seen the Meyerowitz stories. It's good. It's a Noah Baumbach movie with I've seen very little Noah Baumbach actually. It's on Netflix. It's very good. Uh our, one of the Oscar Nave nominated songs begins with a parenthetical. It's much more common in songs. Yeah, it's much more because, common in songs. Especially when the hook isn't the title and they're like, Well, people are gonna be looking for a, under the hook, so you gotta put that in the Mm -hmm. Put that in parentheses in the title. Objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are. 
half of that title is in parentheses. <laughs> oh, no, I'm thinking of I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Okay, never mind. That's what I see when I look in my right side mirror. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. <sighs> okay, the great Mahershala Ali. Yay! In, I think, the most interesting, my number two men's fashion choice of the night is the jacket that ties at the waist. Oh. It didn't now, I, button. It tied. And it didn't tie anywhere, like in the back. It tied on the side where you could see it. Wow. Did you but, notice that? It looks just no, like if you're not paying attention. Unfortunately, this was I part of my... And, like, do my eyes deceive me? This was part of my bus trip, so I didn't really get to... Oh. I, I, I don't, didn't recall what he wore, what he, what he is he wore, but I remember when you, when you said his name, I thought, he looked good. He did. <laughs> go back and check out his check I will. Out his okay, I'll do it right now. It's like tied on the side. It's strange. Mm. It's really cool. And he presents the award for Best Supporting Actress. Ah, Best Supporting Actress. Now, I only saw three of those, so I'm only judging this on a field okay. of three. I did not I see stop. Richard Jewell or Bombshell. Bombshell was the next uh, contender on my list to see, and I didn't get out to see it. Yeah, the only thing I, the only two movies that I didn't see of these, of most of the nominated movies, the major ones were um, Richard Jewell and um, Judy. I still haven't seen Judy. I meant to see it last okay. night, and I couldn't. Oh, too tired. Um, That's my story too. Yeah. Ooh, we should make. I film. chose sleep. We should make a film about it. <laughs> Choose sleep. That's what the movie's called. Bombshell. I I did see Bombshell. I really liked. I liked Bombshell a lot. It began when it began. I had the same feeling that I had at the beginning of Vice, which is interesting because the you know Adam McKay and Charles Randolph wrote The Big Short. Then Adam McKay went and wrote Vice by himself, and Charles mm -hmm. Randolph went and wrote Bombshell by himself. Oh. And both of them used the device in the big short to worse effect. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, geez, can somebody do something different? Or did they just go, this is so good? And so when it starts that way, I'm like, oh, no, don't do this again. Um, but they were able to deliver information that it probably wouldn't have gotten in a better way by doing so, but it's quickly pretty much abandoned. I, I really enjoyed Bombshell. There, and I did struggle with a thing that a lot of people struggle with with this movie, but I think it's unfound. I don't think it's the right argument to be having. They say that the movie and the direction and the thing is, is confused on how they want to present Megyn Kelly and and Gretchen Carlson and, and the other anchors at Fox in this story. And I don't think they're confused on it, and I don't think they're actually... I don't think they're also playing a game of, of um, trying to get Fox News viewers to actually want to see the movie, because they're not going to go see this movie. And when I, when I first started watching it, I was going, did they water down... Did they water down the portrayal of these uh, people to not to try to get uh, uh, to get more viewers from conservative viewers? But then they're not going to get them, and then they've just made the Democrats mad. But I think it's more nuanced than that. I think that actually um, they weren't focusing on so much on the <laughs> on the legitimate evils that Fox News promotes. 
but really just focusing on this one actually really good thing that they did. And if we can't celebrate the good things they do, then there's something wrong with us. Mm. Right? This was a battle that actually... That's what Mr. Rogers would say. Right. This is a battle that actually, weirdly, has a liberal... Is the liberal mentality fought by these conservative women? They wouldn't see it that way. They would see this is a this is this. They didn't see themselves. They hate the word feminist, so they weren't going to say this is a feminist thing. But it is women needing to look out for each other, and they weren't. Then finally, uh, Gretchen Carlson stood up. Now, so anyway, I think the movie is is really the movie peppers in in the sidelines things like. Megan Kelly saying there could never be a black Santa Claus. Well, Santa Claus is white. Kind of throwing that in around the edges just to kind of remind you Mike Judge style. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, remember, they're actually pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't about that. It was about the unfair, pra- the unfair practice and the, the, the sexual harassment and sexual assault that was going on in the organization. And then the fact that they actually stood up to, to, to combat that. Now, granted, they were doing tons of horrible, other horrible things, but that's what this movie was about. And so it didn't absolve them of that, and it didn't um, condemn them for it either. Mm. So okay. I think a lot of liberals are upset that the movie didn't condemn them and actually made them somewhat heroic way. But you know what? What they did kind of was heroic. So as much as I hate to give props to Megyn Kelly, props to Megyn Kelly. <laughs> Is it is it um, is the criticism more that it didn't like depict an inner conflict like you say you hold these values and yet you have to act in a way that shows these different conflicting values and that this creates a, a cognitive dissonance that there's, reflects itself in some way in your character. Th- there's a little of that, but they don't have the. I mean, also with Margot Robbie's character in general, she. She, Kate McKinnon is really good in this movie too. And she develops a sexual relationship with Kate McKinnon, but she refuses, Margot Robbie doesn't acknowledge herself as gay. Mm-hmm. She actually still condemns gays because she's very Christian, but she has the sexual, rela- completely non, um, she was not uh, conflicted by it. Right? She wasn't like, Oh, I can't believe I'm having this. I gave into this temptation. She's not is like she that. Like, it, is she like it doesn't count? Or? Uh, yeah, I guess. Like uh, they don't really dive into it. They just kind of happens, and you're kind of mm-hmm. like, okay. Well, I have to see it again. I only saw it the one time. I want to see it again. And Margot Robbie's character, uh, I she Margot Robbie's great. I love her as an actress, and I especially love her as a producer. I think she. Deserved an Oscar for I, Tanya if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, there was, I think, Mar- I think that was the same year as Frances McDormand. Yeah. She's a powerhouse in I, Tanya. She's in fucking incredible. And her producing of that movie is fantastic. But here I was kind of like, nah, I would actually have given it to her for, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood over this movie, mainly because she seemed more intelligent than her character. And that bothered me. I couldn't, it couldn't hide. I didn't believe that she was that naive. And maybe that's just because I know more about her as a as a in a, as a real person. I mean, I mean uh, Margot Robbie. She, her, her character is a composite of a bunch of other people's experiences. But okay. um, 
I don't know. For some reason, she, she as as great as she is, she seemed to be not the most compelling part of the movie. Okay. Well, would you nominate someone in her place? I would. Uh, well, well, first of all, who? Uh, before we do that, um, this is the one that's this category for me is the most radically different from than who was actually nominated. Almost oh. almost everyone is different for me. So of Kathy Bates, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson. Florence Pugh and Margot Robbie. Who would you, having not seen Jewel or Bombshell, which of the three would you would you give it to? I would keep Laura Dern, Florence Pugh, and Scarlett Johansson in the category. I I have no better candidates to swap them with. I thought they were all great. Yeah, they were all great. Very strong performances from all three. My I would go in ascending order. Laura Dern would be my third place. Florence Pugh, Little Women, second place, and Scarlett Johansson, number one. Scarlett Johansson blew me away in Jojo Rabbit. Huh. I thought I I thought it was a revelation. Um, I loved I loved her in that movie. See, she was the best thing in the movie for me. See, I was thinking about this this morning, and I have to see Jojo Rabbit again because I was distracted by her the whole movie. Really. And yet, when I think of certain scenes, she's phenomenal. Like the the scene where she's. Uh, yelling at uh, Jojo for uh, wanting her his dad. Yeah, best scene in the movie. That's a phenomenal scene and a phenomenal important, uh, excuse me, phenomenal performance. And the way she chooses to yell at him. Yeah, the way she chooses to yell at him. Yeah. It's so good. And yet, when I think when I thought back on it, I'm going. I I keep remembering just going. I don't buy her, and I don't know why I didn't. But I think about every scene I'm in. I go. That was a great scene. Everything, every scene she's in, uh, it's a great scene. And um, I, the weird part was, I didn't think she was German enough, and yet <laughs> she's Scarlett Johansson. Why would did I think she was not the right fit for the part? I don't know. Now I had none of these issues with Marriage Story. With Marriage Story, she's a revelation there. And so, so I was like discounting Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, and wondering why everyone else was. But when I this morning I was thinking of the certain scenes and going, no, she was really good. <laughs> what am I? I? I'm gonna have to see it again. I have to re. I have to see it again. So I thought she was hilarious. I thought she was the funniest thing in the movie. I thought she was the heart of the movie. It's really a movie. I could have talked this in the screenplay section. It's it's really a movie about how people construct their own realities. Right. 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 And very and important. You here. choose what reality you construct. Right. You're going to construct one because we're all we all have to make our meaning in this world. And so you can either do one that's full of love and promise and art and freedom or you can do one that destroys other people. Yeah. And and yourself in the process. And and she's just the embodiment of that. Just the fact that she hates this ideology that her son is embracing, but she loves her son. Yeah. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. And her choice to to deal with that like in an indirect way, like I'm just going to show him as yeah. much love as I can. Right. I'm going to show him all the beauty and love I can. I'm uh, every interaction with him is a performance that I have to put on. Yeah. And like sometimes there's like three layers of that performance. Is there's there's those and I miss your father and I'm miserable and I'm scared, but I have to act brave. Yeah. And I know I'm going to play the part of your father and me at the same time. Yeah. I'm going to show you how angry I am, 
with you by putting on a comedy routine for you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just thought yeah. the way her part was written was really like far more compelling than the whole Jojo and uh, the girl in the wall dynamic. And mm-hmm. for me, it was for me, it was the heart of the movie and she yeah. paid it off. And I thought, why haven't we seen Scarlett Johansson be funny until now? She's she was yeah. great as a comedian. I want to see her in more comedy roles. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I have to confess, I've watched it wrong. I need to watch it again. <laughs> No, what was wrong with me? That was on one of my days where I was pushing myself too hard and trying to see too many movies in the same day. Uh, that'll do it. That'll yeah. do it. Yeah. So I, I, I think I, I pushed myself to exhaustion and, and wasn't fully engaged uh, because when I look back, like even the scene where he's talk, she's talking to Thomas and McKenzie, who was also very good or great in the movie, was giving her food and talk. It, it, she's, she's. Yeah, she was. She's really good, and I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. I, I'm was flipping about it. I have to have to change it. Anyway, well, so um, who was your pick? So my picks, uh, my picks out of the ones who were nominated, um, I would have gone with Florence Pugh. She was great. Cause she's she's real not. And my, to my surprise too, I was I for some reason I wasn't. Uh, I, I don't know. She, she, I thought the jumps through time. And the way that she displays how the character has changed, and what, mm-hmm. and yet she, she's she's so different from her youth to her uh, older self that, yeah. but yet I know that older self came from that other girl, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 yeah, really she a phenomenal the through line between these two stages. Very yeah. well, and uh, I, I, it's a great performance. Something hard to do, surprisingly hard to do. And what could is at times a very unlikable yes. character doing these awful things. Yes. And and she doesn't like she isn't cloying to try to come up with that, except when she's cloying, that's another thing that's unlikable about her. Yeah. But she still like makes it so real and like such a learning process that you never stop being on her side at the same time. Yeah. Except uh, for when she burns the story. Okay, that's right. Pretty- it's weird. They just I just had a news alert pop up on my computer that said uh, Oscar ratings hit all time low, which is too bad because these are some of the best crop of movies we've had nominated in a long time. Well, we're doing our part here on You Watched It Wrong. That's right. Um, I would have had my I'm going to butcher some names here, but for my uh, Carnies Awards, my Waities, uh, I would have had uh, Hai Jin Jung from Parasite. Yeah. Oh. Mrs. Kim is, I thought, is a under drastically underlooked performance. So I wish I'd seen Richard Shell and Richard Jewell and Bombshell so I could bump them off and get her <laughs> in here. But I couldn't. I couldn't knock out yeah. any of my top three from this category. Yeah, exactly. Next uh, is Julianne Nicholson from a movie called Monos. The Hens of Fate. I do feel weird. <laughs> I do feel weird that I'm. The only Caucasian person in this uh, cast. Um, she plays a woman who is a. a um, I, 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 it's on the theater, and I, I honestly can't remember if she was a peacekeeper, you in peacekeeper person, or just a doctor doing some work in South America. But she is held hostage by a group of uh, a militant group of um, preteens or teens, basically who are, are tasked with holding positions. Her performance as a 
as this hostage uh, who was there for benevolent means but is being mistreated and then also being kept as a prisoner but also kind of want the kids kind of want to, her to be their friend when it suits them but still remember that she's a hostage. Her performance is, is amazing and raw and there's a scene where she has to convey on a walkie-talkie proof of life and she's talking to like a hostage negotiator who is not her family, but that person is asking her questions that given to him by her family members mm. that she's got to get right to prove who she is. And the way that I, I'll never forget as long as I live her reaction when she gets the question, who is the best superhero, Batman, Superman or Spider-Man? And well, the answer is obvious. Yeah. And ev and the look on her face not just the look on her face, but in her voice where she realizes this is how I can actually prove it's me and they'll come and get me and everything. Right. And I'm so grateful for uh, this question. So it's Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. It, <laughs> it, it tears me up because it, because it's, it, uh, it kills me because she is, she's admittedly held by kids that if she, if they didn't have guns, she could take them all. Yeah. But also she's also not a, warring person but she is is a hostage it's a it's an amazing performance and a really really good movie that was in my top 10 until a couple of movies pushed it out but it's really it's a really good movie there can only be 10 fingers on the hands i know so Jin chang parasite julianne nicholson monos florence Pugh, little women octavia spencer from loose and mm. yao zhang joe from, uh, from parasite who played mrs park Oh, uh, Park so Dam. Would you have considered Park so Dam, who's the Jessica? I, the I have her. The Kim family. I have her in the in the runners up because I got lots of runners up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, no, the other two. Uh, yeah, I considered her, but it, I don't know. I might have picked Park so Dam over I'm a, <laughs> Zhang yeah. Haijin, the daughter over the mother. I might I have. Oh, She's really good. So, they're both great, though, so it's, now, it'd be hard to say. This one I couldn't choose, so I had to do a tie between Julianne Nicholson and Octavia Spencer from Loose. This is one I... I the I, coin, dude. You got to choose. Uh, That's all right. I guess I'm going to go Octavia Spencer. Okay. Because... You uh, were not impressed with her work in sh The Shape of Water. So no, I was not at right all. Here. I was not at all. And, and uh, I couldn't <laughs> understand why she was nominated for that role. And, and and then it comes this movie loose and she is a I'll say it I'll, I'll, words getting worn out but she's a revelation in that movie she's mm. uh, incredible and oh. um, so go see it what oh I'm so mad at myself best supporting actor speaking of um, performers that we have dragged on in the past but feel much better about this year. Mm -hmm. Best Supporting Actor, I should have taken the opportunity to say, I really dinged Sam Rockwell when he won for three billboards and said I was never really a Sam Rockwell fan. His work in Jojo Rabbit was my favorite Sam Rockwell oh, yeah. performance. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he, he gets you in the end there, doesn't he? I, it, I, the whole thing, this very first monologue at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Where he's, you know, he's... He already has seen through the facade, but he doesn't know what to do, so he's going through the motions. Like, he knows this yeah. is all bullshit. And now that he's lost his eye, finally he can see. <laughs> Thankfully, the screenplay didn't yeah, do that, say anything right. like that. Yeah. Real quick, a oh, quick yes, rundown please. of runners-up of Best Supporting oh. Actress, because there's so many good ones. 
Meryl Streep, her role was too small, but she's damn good in Little Women. She's yeah. damn good in that. Uh, Catriona Balfi from uh, Ford, Ford v. Ferrari. Jillian Bell from Sword of Trust. Tony Collette, Knives Out. Jamie Lee Curtis, Knives Out. Laura Dern, Marriage Story. Karen Gillian, Avengers Endgame. Julie Haggerty, Marriage Story. Lasana Lynch, Captain Marvel. Kate McKinnon, Bombshell. Margot Robbie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Michaela Watkins in Sword of Trust. Those would be all my, uh, my runners-up. Good, great year for female roles, I think. Nice. But the Academy thought the best one was Laura Dern. It was Laura Dern. Which, or absolutely, Story. sure. She's great. She's great. She's got one of the monologues of the year about yeah. uh, how they didn't invent good dads. Good dads as a concept was yeah. only invented in the 50s. That's, <laughs> that's right. That was, <laughs> that was a, and, such a well... Well written uh, scene, and she she kills it. She kills that scene. Yeah. Did she have? Did she say the thing about how? How? Oh yeah, she does. She says like how, good, you know, for a good dad, they just need to show up, and that's not. Yeah. And w- good mothers would never get that leeway. Yeah. <laughs> Mary had Jesus. God didn't even do the fucking. <laughs> God wasn't there. He didn't even do the fucking. That was a, such a great. That's one of the scenes of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That scene. Uh, so she gets up. Uh, Seymour, the lovely Seymour Lamar, points out, uh, direct quote, she's got kind of a prostitute of the frontier look, <laughs> which I like. Is that what, did she say that? Which I like? Yeah, which I like. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've got a live then, one there. you got a live one there. And then she says, uh, when she's... Uh, mentions her uh, father, Bruce, Bruce Dern, and the camera doesn't cut to him. Seymour says, what, he isn't there? Is he peeing in a sink somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. She doesn't like Bruce Dern. Oh, is she still mad about him killing John Wayne? Jeez, get over it, folks. No, she doesn't like John Wayne either. Yeah. Okay, Anthony Ramos, a movie star. Lin-Manuel wants us all to Uh, know that Anthony Ramos is going to be a movie star. He's a bona fide movie star. He's been saying this a lot uh, for the upcoming In the Heights, which I'm excited to see. And with the best shoe choice of the day with his extremely sparkly shoes those were awesome shoes yeah <laughs> are they better than the spectator so, shoes or the they were not spectator shoes? shoes they were uh, loafers i believe mm-hmm. uh but with uh, very sparkly and i was wearing this necklace with all these letters on it spelling out something but his jacket's covering up and so i didn't hear a word he said because i was trying to figure <laughs> out what his necklace <laughs> I, if I recall, he was mainly just talking about how crazy it was that he was at the Oscars. Why didn't I just let him sing something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's he doing there? So he introduces Lin-Manuel. Who, I, if I didn't already love him, I fell in love with him again when he called out Turtle Power, T-U-T-R-A Power, as a song on stage for the world by Partners in Crime because, <laughs> dagnabbit, I can recite that entire song. On the half shells, the heroes four. In this day and age, who can ask for more? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Maybe that could be a bonus feature for our Patreon subscribers. We'll get Vidi on the city. So I was very happy to see that. And he introduces a song medley of movies that have improved songs and songs that have improved movies. Well, well, okay. I didn't really well, get the premise of this. I liked it. I liked the premise of, of it. The premise was, uh, I thought it was more like how when a song is put with an image, how they those have become indelible. How those are forever married to each other. When they but become... Some of the examples were very... Weird, because at first it seemed like they were doing songs written for the movies only, and then they threw in La Bamba, and I was La like, La Bamba had been like that was a feature in the fifties for thirty years before. Right. But then that I, movie. but then I started thinking, you know, like uh, what's a was it Comanche is now forever married to sodomy? Is it Comanche? What's the song played in uh, in Pulp Fiction during oh. the, Gimp, the Gimp scene? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Comanche's forever married to that now. You can't or you know, right. hooked on a feeling is now. Uh, cool stylized torture and uh you know things like like they're they're now married together forever because of the power of those for the people who've seen it you can't think yeah, of, they, you can't hear the song without thinking of the movie and you can't we think did of the get movie. uh stuck in the middle with you uh, yeah. stylized torture in the montage oh, did i say hooked on a feeling i meant stuck yeah, in the middle with you i'm that's sorry all right and then um and i was trying to bail you out softly there thank you the the best the best example being don't you forget about me from Breakfast Club, I think. Yes, like, which he referenced before they showed it, so exactly. it was kind of redundant at that point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, you can't reference it. And here's the definitive montage yeah. about it, and then not. Or in your eyes, which he also referenced, and then they showed it. Right. Too. Right. It, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I was happy to see Fight the Power was in there because uh, absolutely. Then it leads into a, the probably the biggest surprise of the night. A performance. I, I was surprised. I was very surprised that then it leads into Eminem performing. I was performing his Oscar-winning song "Lose Yourself." Performing is a bit generous, but go ahead. Yeah, I could. I couldn't tell if there was a problem with his ear prompt that he kept hitting it, and then, or if like they had a song track singing of him, of him already a recording of him singing it, so that when he had to take a breath. I don't. I don't know if there was a problem, or if that was the style, or what, or if they just it's, went. It seemed to be both, but yeah, he was. He would sing like most of the words of a line, and then not sing the last word. It seemed like after a bit, he started making it look like he was having the audience finish it. But yeah. it was every also, line. It was every line. I was like, okay, like maybe that's how he does it in concert, and like maybe that's what he has to do to breathe yeah i don't know but it just seemed bad it's and it was it seemed weak it seemed uh, yeah exactly it didn't have but at the same time okay given that i still went oh yeah i don't think they should have done this because this is what a real oscar winning song sounds like And he wasn't there for the year at one. He wasn't there for the year. Oh, okay, that makes sense. He was sleeping during the ceremony, didn't, didn't rather than show up. Right. So here's his chance. Here's his chance. His However one shot. many years later, <laughs> coming out of the nowhere like uh, just, Captain America without a shield. But why? Beard. But why now? Like why? Why? Why did they choose to do lose yourself here? It had nothing to do with anything. It had nothing to do with anything. Uh, so it's very perplexing. Maybe they just need a shot in the arm. 
for the middle of the show. I don't know. I don't know. He needed a shot in the arm because he looked out of breath by the yeah. end of that performance. Well, he's where getting older. How he old wasn't he even now? rapping every word. Right. That was weird. However, at the same time, even still, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. This is kind of really showing up the other nominees. <laughs> but are we are we two original song? We are no. no. We have okay. Oscar Isaacson and Selma Hayek. Poe Dameron and that vampire from from Dusseltown. Oh, uh, oh, you mean my wife. Oh. <laughs> oh. Selma wearing another asymmetrical gown, kind of a Greek goddess look with uh, an asymmetrical like tiara laurel leaf thing in her hair. It was, that was a really cool look. Hmm? Selma what? I'm sorry, I was thinking about Selma. <laughs> I was talking about Selma. Oh, good. Well, good. And they're presenting uh, sound editing. Yes. Okay. Wade, tell me your thoughts about the category of sound editing, the selection of sounds. Now, I remember last. I remember last year you had a lot to say about one of these categories, at least, and so do I. Oh, good. good first, good, good. first off, sound editing. I think went which Ford v Ferrari, Joker, nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Now. Even though I've done both of these things, tasks, I do admit I will confuse this, the responsibilities and strengths of one v. the other. Okay. Okay? Which, one, I was really happy that the editing, the, the, the sound team referenced the camera department. The, the uh, Ford v. Ferrari won, I think, rightly so. Me too. Um, that was my pick. Yeah, my pick as well. And, um, and I'm, it was cool they referenced the camera department and the editing and then the editors referenced their sound the sound teams um that was very cool because they all obviously work with and expired by each other um so sound editing i thought in um in ford v ferrari was not only exceptional but so vital to that movie working and incredibly impressive so much so that i was thinking about the sound editing and the sound mixing during the movie going I, being so in, amazed and enthralled that their voices sounded not only distinct and that I could hear and understand them, but they didn't seem to be prior like 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 falsely prioritized yeah. over reality. Yeah, I it thought, sounded like people fighting against loud car engines to be yeah. heard, and you could hear them. And you could hear them. And I could yeah. uh, more less than I could hear them, but more than I could understand them. And I really appreciated that there's nothing I hate more than dialogue that sounds like you've got the film and then they've scotch taped the audio on top of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or, or the dialogue, you know, which is usually because the bad ADRing, but whatever. So I'm going to just make a quick jump since that was both of our picks to say that the next category sound mixing infuriated me. This was the only this was the uh, only award that night that made me mad. Okay, well, don't jump ahead. I have more to say about okay, sound editing. Okay, so you go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. I've said it before. Star Wars movies <laughs> should be disqualified from this category. <laughs> right. Because they have the greatest sound library of all time to draw from. Right. So they're starting on third base. It's not fair. Right. Disqualified. I'm going to bump them out for Parasite, where mm, I yeah, thought the yeah, sound... Yeah. Uh, design of that movie was was great, uh, even down to the sickening sounds of stones hitting people's heads. Oh yeah, or, 
or heads hitting walls. Uh, it, was, it was wonderful. 1917, I was actually pretty underwhelmed by the sound like design yeah like the, the the choices of the sounds that they created or or you know the chose i never found myself totally immersed in this journey like i should have been Not and once. the sound was a huge part of that yes it really was I, just, I didn't think the sound like ever really conveyed the danger and it relied way too heavily on the score for that, and we'll talk about that more when we get the score. So, I was I was wondering um, if you had the same experience because I was I was afraid that my criticisms were going to be specific to maybe the theater I saw it in. So yeah. I'm interested. I'm glad to. Well, I'm not glad really, but um, I'm <laughs> validated to hear that uh, you had the same experience in a completely different theater. Because yeah, it, it for a movie that's supposed to be a in your you were there with them immediacy the yeah. camera already faltered with that and then the sound d just contributed to that flatness and so everything it's you, like, you said that uh, ford v ferrari achieved well i'll get to ford v ferrari yeah yeah i just thought 1917 the sound was flat it very it, flat yeah it it just didn't didn't bring me in i'm gonna bump that for the lighthouse Mm. With the the sound design of just them living on this island, surrounded yeah. by the sea, the birds, just like the 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 landscape that was created in in sound, but uh, also like the sounds of dripping ejaculate, <laughs> just very important. Or <laughs> uh, lady fish parts, lady fish and tentacles. These are all sounds that are we're very familiar with. Yeah, seagulls getting smashed into yeah. bloody pulps. <laughs> I, I really loved the sound. Uh, yeah. The sound design in uh, Lighthouse. What's a better time in Hollywood? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the first movie I thought I would think of, but when I thought about it, like just the, the dog attack, obviously, right. was a lot of that you don't, is implied and not, not shown. Uh, and the sound is a big part of that. Right, but even right. just like the dog food sliding out of the can yeah. and plopping into the bowl. <laughs> like there's all these like really like little visceral yeah. sound details in that movie that well, I thought were wonderful. Well, Spawn's Ranch, just the walking through that house. And the, the suspense that's built in, in that scene, uh, sound plays a big part in that too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, Joker. I'm fine with it. They made things sound eerie when they were supposed to sound eerie. I don't have a problem with the sound in Joker. Yeah, I can't I can't think of great or bad things about it. Yeah, like no examples jump out to me, but it <laughs> no. definitely created a vibe and maintained it. And maintained it. So yeah. And Fair. so that's what that's what you have to do. That's what 1917 failed to do. Joker succeeded. So yeah. it's okay. Uh, Joker's in there, but yeah, Ford Ford v Ferrari I thought was completely immersive. I thought the way that they maybe this is maybe this is in the mixing. Um, they, uh, in keeping with the the story, they 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 saved some RPMs for each successive race. Yeah. So that the very first race feels like an exciting, fast, dangerous, propulsive race, and then every race they should get boring, but they never do because every race amps that up. Yeah. And every race feels like you've. <laughs> You've opened the throttle even more on, yeah. on these mechanical beasts. Completely. All right, I'm going to sound stupid in a second, so I'll stop here. No, <laughs> no, not going to sound stupid at all. I think 
the fact that Ford v Ferrari's race sequences are, I'm going to say, unparalleled and so impressive, not only from a soundscape, from a sound design, from a dramatic standpoint, and from a logistical standpoint to be able to understand what's going on. Most race movies, when I don't know the rules of racing or the physics of racing, uh, they either have to have some side character. No, you know, drafting is you got to get behind the thing and then, you know, yeah. you know, they have to have somebody call it out. They didn't have anyone do that here. And yet I was able to be told and understood all these principles of racing just by yeah. by by just them doing it. And that was another strength of the script. And you just have to show you a wooden wedge block and say, we need to make it a wedge. Right. To solve this problem. And then right. they don't have to, like, draw it for you on a whiteboard. They never explain no. that. Like, right. yeah, they... Then next time you see the car, it's more wedge-shaped. You yeah, know, it's exactly. But then, given all of that unprecedented greatness, that's still not the best part of this movie. Far from it. <laughs> I, I mean, there's still so much more aspects to this movie that are even better than that. You know, and so um, I, yeah. I generally love Ford v Ferrari. It's. It's, it's, I'm going to agree with you strongly, uh, and when we get to another category, so okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go at length at that point. Okay, but now, so then we move on to sound mixing. Okay, same, I same cut you intro- off. Same, 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 ho- same introduction. Is that right? Yeah, hit. Yeah, same, okay. same, uh, same people. Okay, hit me. So hit this me is the, the mix. this is the one category where put I put me in your mix. <laughs> put me. We should we should uh, include on this the Barry White and Leonard Cohen as radio DJs that you and Hugh Jasper <laughs> did. That is the funniest thing I'd ever done. And what's even well, I mean, cut this out. But just what's even more incredible is that how Hugh had never heard of Leonard Cohen minutes before you guys did it, and then he rattled, <laughs> improvised the most Leonard Cohenist lyrics I've ever heard. It was, he's he's a talent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the, yeah, there is nothing that makes me laugh harder. I think about it all the time when I want to laugh. <laughs> is the uh, put me in your mix? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Take that back. It wasn't as radio DJs. It was as airline pilots. It was Barry. Oh, right. It was Barry White and Leonard Cohen as airline pilots. That's a lot funnier. Oh, we're reason. gonna be flying higher than you've ever been before, baby. And they're yeah. doing the cabin announcements. You're doing the cabin announcements. <laughs> oh, that's it's so good. I wish I hope uh, I have that somewhere because I love it so much. That was a good bit. <laughs> um, yeah, one of your best. That and the sucks to your all in the family uh, episodes. Thank you. So yeah, so sound mixing. This is the one category. Now the adapted screenplay one. I was very disappointed. Didn't go to Greta Gerwig, but I wasn't mad about who it went to. Because I thought Jojo Rabbit deserved, deserved, you know, was worthy of an award. This, however, uh, the 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 candidates were Ad Astra, Ford v Ferrari, Joker, nineteen seventeen, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, Ad Astra has been sadly ignored in so many categories, and it is a worthy movie, and all of this one in particular. But I still would believe that Ford v Ferrari for reasons I previously mentioned, is um, exceptional here in the sense that I can understand what they're saying and doesn't sound like it was um, falsely augmented over reality for me to hear it. I totally agree. And not just the dialogue. Just You could just do the car sounds. Yeah. You, 
it tells the story of that race in sound. Yeah. Like it, I, I agree. I thought the technical chops on Ford v. Ferrari was like top-notch mm-hmm. filmmaking. Yes. I really do. Top-notch filmmaking, which makes the fact that 1917 won so enraging because, like I said, I felt like the, the, the camera work failed to create an I- immediacy of the moment. We'll get there. <laughs> and, then the, um, and then the sound did only did to support that lack of, of uh, immediacy. In fact, I had an experience uh, when I first moved, came out here to Los Angeles. I saw Sting in concert at the Universal Amphitheater. Mm-hmm. I remember you raving about this. Yeah, it was a good show. But it wasn't until later that I realized how, the, how important the sound mix is. Because I was there and the Sting put on a great show. But it sounded like a CD. Mm. It sounded it was good. It was good. I didn't think anything of it. Then I went back to that same theater a couple months later and saw Lyle Lovett perform. Awesome show. I, it was Universal Amphitheater is a huge venue, but the sound mix was so good that it sounded like it was just me and him and their instruments in a room. Mm. And I felt the sensualness of each one of them and their location within the room. Whereas I realized how poor the sound mix was on Sting's concert to me in the room because maybe it was all designed to go at one place in the room and not the whole room because I was Mm. off to the side. But like, it just felt like a a wall of sound, not in a good way, but like, you know, just like a a flat panel of sound in front of me. And um, whereas I felt a three-dimensional space with Lyle Lovett's uh, concert and I was like, the sound mix is everything really opens up the world. And that's yeah. what 1917 sounded like Sting's concert in the sense that it just felt like one flat square in front of me. And and for a movie that had such, where the production design put in such depth where they literally planned out a mile of set and, and walked the whole set and then dug all the trenches, the fact that it all felt so flat um, is, is a, fails there how much effort they put into it. And so to, and so, um, not only was I mad about the nomination, I was even madder that it was recognized for its, maybe, maybe they, you know, maybe they had quite a challenge and they're, ta- you know, I'm sure they're talented people, but it, it, the end product just did not, didn't come close to these other nominees. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a fail, a failure. It was exactly. You see this thing and then, Stuck over it is their dialogue that feels like it. Their dialogue sounded, had the feel of bad special effects. Just kind of layered up on top of everything else in my face so I could hear them clearly. And I'm like, but I wouldn't hear them clearly. (laughs) Did it bother you during the big climactic running scene? He gets out of the trench and he's going to run to go confront Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) <laughs> and deliver the orders and then the the men are going over the top and then you see some of them falling like they're getting shot but i can't hear any gunshots did that bother you i don't I felt, know it felt surreal but not in a surreal way it felt like i was just missing something yeah i don't know i thought from people were just falling there was too many like it was a banana plantation and they were just falling <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and then the final meditech medical medic tent scene where he's going to find mm-hmm. the brother and that the mix in that scene was terrible like yeah. you hear people 
I don't know. You get no sense that this tent is full of people. Like exactly, exactly. You know, people you, who are probably moaning and injured. Like there's no. Nah. Did you have anything for sound mixing? No, and you know, for some reason I didn't come up with my own. Um, I hadn't seen Ad Astra. I was fine with the mixes for Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would have put in The Lighthouse for 1917. Again, I love the sound design yeah. for that movie. And uh, Ford v. Ferrari. It's, for me, the totally obvious winner in mystifying that it didn't yeah, win. Yeah, mystifying. Next up, we have Randy Newman. Randy Newman. We're not going to talk about him yet, though. We're gonna and I got stuff him. to say, but we're going to not talk about him now. Then some unannounced rapper. I don't think they ever announced this guy. Yeah, I couldn't get his name. Oh, his name is... Um, uh, it's you. Uh, I wrote it down. Oh, he... He dropped his own name in his in his in his rap, but I didn't catch it. He was backed by Questlove. And he had my his name is uh, I, I'm going to say it wrong Utkarsh Ambakar. Mm. But he certainly his final line I think was my favorite sentiment of the night. Oh, what was it? It was keep an open mind. I'm sure you'll find there's plenty of light for all of us to shine for oh. for us all to shine. Nice. So, I like the that. tagline on my album available on SoundCloud. The useless truth was keep Ch an open mind, and I'll put songs in there. <laughs> that uh, I will plug the the useless truth. It is a fantastic album, and actually contains one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, well, that was not nominated because I didn't <laughs> save it for a movie. It never will be nominated. <laughs> no, I guess not. I didn't save it for a movie. This uh, this guy there, this rapper whose name I uh, still don't know because I didn't listen to what learn I just said when you said it. <laughs> uh, he had my number one fashion. Uh, he had the he had my number oh. one choice for men's fashion with his uh, nice, very nice suit coat with patterned cuffs. Hmm. Nice. My, he wins my he fashion award male very, category. He did look very good. Um, Will Ferrell. And Julie Louis-Dreyfus. And Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Second biggest laugh of the night. They were great. Yeah, together. they were great. They, 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 they are my third. Their whole bit is my third favorite jokes of the night. Um, my, uh, it kind of reminded me of what the Oscars kind of used to be comedy-wise. But, but I thought the deftest funny part was when Julie Louis-Dreyfus was saying, was wondering if she had an earpiece at all. Yeah. And she hello? she she put hello, and then she said, "I don't think there's anything in there." <laughs> yeah, she's acting like she can hear something. <laughs> but 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 <laughs> the double meaning of that line I thought was very very funny. <laughs> I don't think there's anything in there. And they present the award for cinematography. Cinematography that okay. they don't know what they sure they know what it is, but they're wrong. <laughs> it was a good bit. Good bit. Uh, they are the sole person. Waiting for you in a golf cart <laughs> to travel you to set. <laughs> Tell us the nominees. Oh, the nominees for, for achievement in cinematography. For cinematography, Roger Deakins, the great Roger Deakins for the not so great 1917. Uh, I'm going to say this wrong. Jaron Blaschke, Blash, 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 uh, for for the lighthouse. Rodrigo Roger. Prieto for The Irishman, Lawrence Scher, Joker, and Robert Richardson, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. My, 
Um, Irishman. Anyone you think shouldn't have been nominated? Mm, well, okay. I, I don't think 1917 should have been nominated, but obviously I'm apparently wrong about that. Um, I mean... So do, are you counting the camera moves as part of the cinematography when you when you say that? Well, y- y- yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, to me... Or there's like the technical achievement of pulling off the camera moves, even if he's not choosing them, so so to speak. Yeah, I let's just say, I, I mean, I just wasn't impressed with what I saw, really. Um, and I know it was a huge feat. I know it's a fast undertaking. I know the challenges are hugely monumental, but at the end of the day, it wasn't as thrilling as three seconds of Ford v. Ferrari. <laughs> it was, uh, I guess here's what I'll say it. It was like a, uh, a roller coaster walk. It was like taking, a, <laughs> it wasn't quite a roller coaster ride. ride. It was like <laughs> the cars broke down and you were strolling along a roller coaster. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wow, this isn't a really impressive uh, loop that I'm just, walking very slowly on and can look around anywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I, I don't discount its feet, but impressed by it, by the feet. I guess what this is saying is, do I want to not reward risks taken? I think 1917 was a big experiment that was worth taking and just, you know, maybe, maybe better done somehow other way. Well, you reward it if it pays off. If yeah, you take a risk right. and it doesn't pay off, then don't reward it. Exactly. Well, you know, you say it's good, good, good try. Good try. Didn't work this time, but good try. Good for you, Roger <laughs> Deacon. <laughs> for me, I would have, I would have taken out. So let's see who. I would have taken them all out except I would have taken out the Irishman, Joker, in 1917, mm. and I would have replaced it with Ford v Ferrari, Honey Boy. The Lighthouse, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what I would have uh, swapped those two things out for. With Runners Up being Parasite, Knives Out, and apparently Little Women again. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wrote, so your winner. So who's your winner there? My little. I you know I, I couldn't really tell. Um, right now I'm wondering. I put Little Women as my winner, but now I'm I'm thinking differently. I don't know. I might be going back to Ford or Parasite. I don't know. Well, I'll read through my you read choices through yours. if I may. Uh, let's see. I wrote out my notes like um, full sentences. I was feeling mm. verbose at this point in my preparation. <laughs> so I'm just going to read what I wrote. The Irishman, a handsome-looking movie, but really nothing special. Right. I would bump this for Little Women. Yorick Lesaw? What about Little uh, Irishman? <laughs> Little Irishman. There's a parody uh, for you. We should do Little Irishman. Little Irishman. Uh, I would I would bump it for Little Women just for keeping me oriented temporally without much hand holding. Even right. my nine year old kids could follow the time jumps, and I think the cinematography accomplishes yeah. a lot of that. Absolutely. Um, though you could argue the cinematography itself was hand holding, but it worked, and I didn't yeah. think it was. No. Uh, let's see, Joker. Very stylized. A lot of the nighttime indoor sequences were too stylized for my taste. 
For a 1981 throwback, it reminded me mostly of the worst excesses of the late 90s and early aughts. Like, yeah. and I don't know why this movie came to mind, but Domino, the uh, <laughs> yeah. Tony Scott, yeah. Tony Scott uh, bounty hunter movie. And it seemed really indecisive about how to light the Murray Franklin show. Oh, they got God. the lights and the colored curtains right, but the set lighting neither seemed authentic nor did it heighten the tension. It was like, just... It just it didn't seem to know what to do with that scene. Yeah, what? I, we will go into we will go greater length of that in our next episode, which is all mm-hmm. about the Joker. So I would bump uh, Joker for Midsummer, 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 um, I don't know. which was uh, knew exactly what it was trying to do and uh, was extremely committed to to the mm. bit and uh, I, just the the daylight horror thing has been said a lot, but it was extremely effective. Yeah. So Midsummer gets my nomination there. Um, Once Upon a Time, gorgeous-looking film, manages to evoke nostalgia for a time and place without it being a gimmick. Solid pick. Solid pick. Uh, the Lighthouse, given that it, the cinematography itself really is like a character in the movie, you would expect it to be showier. Yet it succeeds in being understated as well, matching the quiet of much of the movie. And it's a, it's a f- entirely 4 by 3 movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And very obviously so, like it announces itself as yeah. having this weird aspect ratio right away by having the... even less than four by three, if I remember. Like it was even that yeah. more claustrophobic. Right. It's um, it's an aspect ratio that like nothing has been released on it for a hundred years or something crazy <laughs> like that. Wow. Uh, and then there was 1917, which I feel conflicted about this, but I thought the nighttime scene that was all lit by flares was so distinctive. I am going to give it credit for the technical achievement that if your director mm-hmm. says, do this stupid thing for me, <laughs> and you have to figure out how to pull it off. <laughs> I, I do give him credit for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and, that scene, yes, it, yeah. <laughs> and just the nighttime scenes, like, all seeming like natural source light, and mm-hmm. it I thought it was mostly effective. Um, I thought the the nighttime scenes with the the flares going overhead and just like the changing of light was so eerie. Like you said, it was like so otherworldly that you might wonder if if the character hadn't died yeah. and this was it, like it became, a vision he was having. It became very theatrical at that point. It it did, but it was all like motivated light. Yeah, no, it, it you was. You don't know why it's motivated for a while. You have to figure it out. Yeah. But um, it was pretty cool. I, yeah, I thought it was nothing, gorgeous, actually. There's nothing bad. And then but... just the, the way the, like, the light changes as it transitions to dawn, I thought that mm. was so effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the... I'm... <sighs> I don't have a clear favorite in this one. I'd kind of like to give it to Midsummer because... I like how distinctive it is, and the lighthouse was gorgeous. But at, at 1917, it was such an achievement that I'm willing to. This is the one mm. bone I'm willing to throw them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean theatrical as a pejorative, um, but maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe I did just a little bit, in just in the sense that it was such a break from the rest of the movie. But um, that's fair. As opposed but it's to a break, I needed. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. I mean, as opposed to an evolution. You know, instead of a, a descent or something like that, it was just suddenly now we're in a different movie. But yeah, it's it's I guess, that's fair. That's um, that's a good point. 
Well, but that's that's a director's. That's probably part of a director's call uh, too. Yeah. Um. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I would be willing to throw that that the bone too. I just think there were there were um, uh, better outcomes uh, in that uh, year. Knives Out in particular. I'm looking at it again, going, "Wow, this is really well well lit." That's a gorgeous looking film. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't include that in my nominations. I should put that in there. Let's talk about editing. Editing. Something I was this very is, excited to talk about. This is one of my favorite jokes of the night. Uh, is that, oh. <laughs> uh, Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. was originally Ford v. Ferrari. Well, he said versus, which versus. I refuse to do. Yeah. was originally Ford v. Ferrari v. Farrell. <laughs> but I had a different, I had a different joke. I like that he said he was artist. still in some of the uh, some of the uh, ad art. Um, but he's still you can still see him in some of the advertising. <laughs> <laughs> so I had already written this joke uh, yeah. before Will Ferrell uh, delivered mm-hmm. that one, which was Ford v Ferrari was released throughout Europe under the title Le Mans '66, except in Greta Thunberg's house, where they called it Ford v Ferrari v Planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Should I do that more of a Johnny Carson? Ford v Ferrari v Planet Earth. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid joke. Okay. Yeah. Seymour did not like that. Seymour did not like that. And I ran past it. It's 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 fine. It. It's no Seymour Lamar joke, but it's fine. It's it's yeah. It's <laughs> not matching her prostitute of the frontier. <laughs> but I like it. I think so. The. Um, Nominees, Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Parasite. Um, I thought Parasite was expertly edited. Yeah. Deserves uh, uh, its recognition. Joker, I guess. I don't remember. For me, Ford v. Ferrari takes it. The logistical visual storytelling in that is of just sequencing is is a marvel. So, um, And uh, I found it... Was it here... Well, maybe even before. I think one of the sound editors. Oh, the sound editor made the comment that Ford v. Ferrari was going to be the last movie ever made by 20th Century Fox, which I thought was worth noting. Yeah, sad. Yeah. Um, it did open with the, the fanfare. The yep. last one. Which, you know, growing up, my sister and I always considered that the opening to the Star Wars. Yeah, thing. of course it is. It's synonymous. The, the, to actually see a Star Wars movie without that is like to see a Star Wars movie without the crawl. I know. Or or, or the fanfare. I mean, Rogue One didn't have the crawl. but well, The Star Wars always got the extended version. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thelma Schoonmacher, amazing, amazing, amazing editor. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I still would do it between Ford v Ferrari and Parasite, and give it to Ford v Ferrari. Okay, I'm gonna give you my notes. Give me my notes. Uh, give me your boy, notes. Boy, I. This is a tough one because my top two I feel very strongly about. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, Joker. I'm just gonna go in ascending order. Joker. We don't talk about it in our Joker episode, but the editing in this movie is not that good. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) It felt a little bloated in places, and I felt like I spent a lot more time 
watching Arthur sitting on his couch or on the edge of his bathtub <laughs> and takes that really didn't gain anything by being that long. I wasn't, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think it added anything. It was just a lot of uh, fat left on the bone there. I also felt like I didn't need a procedural on just how exactly Arthur sneaks into the opera house to confront Thomas Wayne. <laughs> There's just this weird passages in that movie where sometimes they just skip over things and sometimes like, well, no, we're going to show you in detail how he gets from point A to point B. And I never felt any like story logic or or character work that was happening in those sequences. It just right. felt arbitrary to me. Yeah. So I bumped that, although I don't. Uh, I didn't come up with the replacement for it. Although Knives Out, um, Knives yeah. Out had great editing. So it really did. Knives Out is I'm replacing it with. Okay, The Irishman. I really didn't see anything exceptional about The Irishman except its running time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have an editor to help create those internal conversations between like Pesci and De Niro. That is something that can either be fucked that's up true. No, I, you're, that's so. right. A lot of that was created in the edits. Um, still, I would bump this for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fred Raskin uh, for the tension in the Spawn Ranch scenes alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Georgia Rabbit. The climactic battle sequence is darkly funny. You're laughing as you're seeing children being sent to be slaughtered. Yeah. <laughs> Those jokes don't land if the editing isn't spot on. You're right. So big when, points for that. When, um, what's her name? Oh, shoot. When Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson pulls pins on grenades, puts them in a child's backpack and sends them out. Yeah. It's hilarious. And it's funny. It's funny, but you're like, that kid is going to explode. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that you, you have to edit that sequence right or Just it's right. terrible or it's yeah. like worst worst sequence of the year, right? Right, totally, totally. So I, I, I definitely think it deserved his nomination for that. Also, props for the opening montage uh, with the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Mm. The Nazism is Beatlemania <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, yeah. And then the whole uh, Hitler Youth training sequences I thought were yeah. – Really nice, really nicely done montages. So points to Georgia Rabbit. Parasite. You and I both felt that the climactic party scene wasn't entirely successful in juggling all of the elements and keeping the action convincing. Right. So a little bit of a problem there. So as brilliant as the infiltrating the park home sequence is, it's a long montage. And that's amazing editing in that sequence. Amazing. Amazing. Or the Kim family, my favorite scene of the movie, the Kim family sitting around and eating and getting drunk in the yeah. park home while there's a storm raging outside. Yeah. Masterful editing in that scene. The pacing of that scene is amazing. Um, or the closing montage under the reading of Kiwu's letter. Yeah. This movie has tons of great editing. Yeah. But if you don't nail the climax, I can't quite give you the award. So that, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I didn't think it nailed the climax. I'm sorry. Okay. Ah, this is a this is a tough call. Virtual tie. Ah, okay. I am switching at the last second. Oh really? Yeah. Because now that I'm looking what I wrote, I can't justify the order. Okay. Second second uh, top. We wondered two years ago, you and I, Wade, if Dunkirk won best editing as an award for the all the time jumping, and whether that was a misperception of something that was achieved solely in the editing room rather than a function of the script. Mm -hmm. Right. And I wonder if Little Women 
was similarly punished in this category because voters thought the time jumping was either too confusing, which, hey, my nine-year-old twins could follow it, um, or was, uh, and, and therefore was a, a symptom of bad editing. But again, I see those choices of the time switching as chiefly being about the screenwriting. I think that's about the writing process. Yeah. It's finding those moments where you're going to jump back and forth. Right, right. And, uh, and listening to Greta Gerwig in interviews, it turns out that's exactly how it worked. That's exactly how she wrote it. She planned it all out ahead of time. Um, and in this case, the time jumping was also a function of cinematography and making it work. But the editing on its own terms, taking out the time jumping, is fantastic in Little Women. Yeah, it really is. It is. It's a, great. One of the things I loved about Lady Bird was the incredible tightness of the editing. Right. And how just scenes like you're, you're kind of – it's kind of breathtaking how short she is willing to make her scenes because yeah. she finds the point that the scene is going to make and then she gets in and she gets out. Yeah. And she leaves no fat on the bone and it, it creates this propulsion in the story and yeah. you feel like all you're getting is gold. Like everything yeah. – you're just, you're just getting the best of what the story has to offer you and she's not wasting your time. Yeah. With anything else. And I'm going to hazard to say with only having only seen it once that there's not a beat of fat on this movie. I don't think so. Not not a lick. And this movie has such liveliness. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring this up again cuz I won't be able to help it, but <laughs> this movie is so full of life. Yeah. And liveliness that I still felt this movie with me like five days later. I still felt elevated by having seen it. I, I still do right now. And I saw it in December. I saw it like two, what, two months ago. I, I felt like I or, was floating on air the rest of that week. Yeah. And I think the editing is a, is a big part of that. I thought yeah. it was a big achievement in editing. But I think my biggest achievement in editing for the year has to go to Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. And I think absolutely. it has... We talked about how each race like feels more intense and more propulsive and faster uh, than the last and never feels repetitive. But I think the perfect lap sequence in Ford v. Ferrari was one of the best, probably that like this, the montage of the year for me. Yeah. It is. The mon I, was, I yeah. said probably because I'm trying to think of the right term. It's the montage of the year. Yeah. It's the... It's not even a montage in the in the way we've come to think about it. But right. like the edited sequence that I want to call a set piece, but it's not yeah. built around one set the way a set piece is. It's not really a scene because it doesn't like have a neat beginning or end. It yeah, like yeah, flows yeah. into everything that's happening around it. But that that like minute or whatever it is of film of him doing the perfect lap, like for me was like pure cinematic poetry. Yeah, it, it really is. And that's all created in the editing room. I mean, it's directed yeah. beautifully, and Christian Bale is like pretty. As his performance didn't really click with me when he's outside the car, but when he's in, oh yeah, that car, he's so good. It's it's hard to do, I would imagine. He's yeah. so good in that car. Oh, he's, I, yeah, we've talked about how Mark Hamill is sneakily a great actor in yeah. the first Star Wars movie during the X-Wing battle scenes. There, yeah, during the cockpit scenes. He's awesome. Um, and Christian Bale is uh, uh, similarly great here. But that the, the perfect lap scene was my sequence of the year. Mm. I, I just thought, like, that's that's it. That's like, it. that's... Nothing that's, can top uh, that. 
nothing tops. Yeah, I agree. It's like that's you can't do better. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's 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 a it's a phenomenal piece of work, and and not only just that scene, but the whole movie. I think the whole movie could be just a huge. And in those and in those uh, in the Le Mans sequence, which is a good chunk of the movie, the. Uh, I think the producer said that you know the the, the Lamont's track um, labs as it as it existed then doesn't exist now, so they had to shoot that sequence. the 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 lap is a composite of many different locations, some here, some overseas, some everywhere else. So the fact that they had all these places disparate. Um, things to make feel like the same place and they did it it's it's i mean granted that's what editing does all the time but i mean yeah considering how geography is so important in that sequence and it's not even the same place all the time it's great it's mind-blowing to know how you're able to make that work that was Um, another great function of the script is to give us our geographic orientation is going to be a conversation he has with his son. Right. Yeah. We're not going to get the helicopter shot over it. We're no. not going to get the race team as they're prepping, talking about how they're going to, what their strategy is. It's a father-son talk. It's like it's a character moment. It's a character moment where we get the exposition about what what the layout of this track is that's going to orient us for the like the next hour of the movie or whatever it is. So uh, I think for my, if I were choosing the Oscars. Um, my nominees would be very. I think. I think exactly yours. Ford v Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Knives Out, Parasite, and give it to Ford v Ferrari. I feel. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what you said. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Nice. We got to take a real quick break here and come back for Mr. Excitement himself, <laughs> the president of the Academy. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> 